All right, let's get started this morning. Let's get some scriptures out. Deuteronomy 2 and verse 24 is going to be our main passage. And Phil, if you'll get that, uh, Deuteronomy 2, 24. Uh, then if I can get Judges 6 and verse 2. Uh, Brian Mitchell, if you'll get that, Judges 6, 2. And then second time, uh, Deuteronomy 2, 24, Devin, if you'll get that. I can remember after a regular morning prayer, question and answer morning. You know, we do this every day with Pastor Greg. And uh, as a disciple, uh, a number of us was talking with Pastor Greg about things that we weren't seeing. Whether that was the concert, 180, whether that was neighborhood outreaches, uh, Saturday morning outreach, fill in the blank, everything we were doing and starting to see this loss of momentum, a lack of results, a lack of response, a lack of visitors. And in asking that, he answered us with a question. He said, and so what are you going to do about it? And throughout the course of that morning, I learned a lesson and the lesson was will I be content with less or will I contend for more it wasn't about just corporately what were we going to do about it he said what are you going to do about it and in that I left it's personal it's a personalized decision we can be part of corporate things that as a body, we're seeing things happening. But in that moment and morning, I left with the revelation, I have to make some decisions. Will I be content with less or will I contend for more? So in the passage we're going to look at, we find this word contend. And Moses used it in the context of engaging with the enemy for more. And that's going to be something you need to learn throughout your discipleship, throughout one day your ministry when you are pioneering, or one day in your ministry when you've taken over a work, is there's going to be these times where you are contending with the enemy. You are engaged and contending for more. So let's read Deuteronomy 2 and verse 24. Rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. Okay, and engage him in battle or contend with him in battle. Okay, let's look first. Let's think about the call for more. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses' his final sermons. This is just before his death, before his departure. And the children of Israel, they're going to be crossing over into the promised land. So here it was a reminder. Deuteronomy are these sermons that remind the children of Israel about their history. It's a reminder and it's a warning about their future. He's, he's telling them... But don't forget where you came from. Don't forget slavery. 
Don't forget uh, uh, being oppressed by the enemy. Don't forget those 400 years when you step into God's blessing. He gave us his law. He gave us an understanding of his nature and his character. He gave us access to him. Do not depart from that. So right, all of this are these tensions at work. So chapter 2 begins with taking possession of the land. Here they've been wandering the desert for 40 years. But now the season is going to change. You are going to inherit the land. You're going to possess it. There's a call for more. It's going to happen little by little. Right? God said, go here, now go there. Now take this place. Now move into that area. But always it's an advancement. That's the point. It's always about advancing the kingdom of heaven. So this presents a picture for us. God has good plans for your life. God has specific plans for your life. God has a very specific purpose for you in that he wants you to have dominion in life. He wants you to have authority. He intends for you to have power. It doesn't happen all at once, but in steps you begin to grow. You begin to develop. I can remember settling the decision about witnessing. I can remember settling the decision that I'm going to be faithful to Saturday morning outreach. And I remember those first uh, uh, Saturdays getting into the, the, the flow of it. Those first witnesses stumbling through my words, not making any sense. But I can also remember beginning to get the breakthroughs, beginning to get the confidence, beginning to get anointing and authority in those conversations. Because what we do while there is practical and people skills that's needed, it's supernatural. It's, it's spiritual. And it happens in these steps. But there was a continuous advancement. I remember Pastor Greg making a statement. This was already once I was out uh, ministering. I believe it was at a sermon workshop. But I remember him saying, I hope to be a better preacher than I am today. And I remember thinking, how can you get any better? <laughs> like, you're Pastor Greg. There's so much wisdom and revelation, and yet there's growth. Because that's a posture. That's an attitude. That's a life approach that there should always be advancement. So the issue, though, is that people settle for less. We read later in Judges chapter 6, after the land was taken and God's people have been established in that promised land, they begin to settle for less. They begin to compromise things that God told them. God says, get rid of every part of the enemy. They're the, the people, you, you know, get rid of the livestock, everything to do with them. And yet they say, hey, we've, we're in control here. Why get rid of all this good stuff? Why not enslave the people 
But that's not what God told them to do. And what do we find in Judges 6 is they lost dominion because they didn't continue to advance. Judges 6 in verse 2. Okay, here, uh, uh, Midian overpowered them. At one point, hey, we're in control. Let's just make them slaves. You know, we don't got to get rid of all this good life. Say, we don't have to change. We don't have to do what God said. That wasn't the advancement they were given. And little by little, Midian overpowered. For seven years, they determined what happened to the children of Israel. For that time, they determined that they were going to live under their rulership, under their oppression, because the children of Israel settled for less. They didn't continue advancement. So, you need to think in your life, in your ministry, in your prayer life, in your Bible reading, in your evangelism, in your witnessing, in your Bible study, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances. Where have I settled for less? How have I settled for less? But more importantly, why have I settled for less? What's contributing to that? What, at the end of the day, is causing me to settle for less? Let's think second about contending and advancement. So our passage, it teaches us and reminds us that in order to advance, it's going to involve contending. Contending. Uh, verse 24 of our passage says, Begin to take possession... And contend with him in battle. That word contend means to stir up strife. You are stirring that up. It means to excite against. To engage in strife. So think about that. Is This isn't a, a, a posture of waiting. This isn't a posture of, of uh, uh, you know, just... Waiting for the results to happen. It's not just waiting for God to move. It's not, I'm believing God for a miracle. No, I'm praying. I, yes, I'm, I, and those are, that's true, but here, to, to engage with. You're going into that battle with whatever that opposition is. Whatever that stronghold is. Whatever that enemy in your life is. Not only that, the language is aggressive. If you go to verse 24, it says, rise up. That's action. Set out on your journey. Go over the valley of Arnon. Behold, I've given it into your hand. Uh, uh, Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbron and his land, begin to take. And take possession, contend with, in battle. Right? All of that is action. It's, it's, 
you're involved. So what does that tell us then about contending? Contending is deliberate. It's intentional. It's focused. It has this idea, it's militant. It's offensive to the enemy. Right? You, you are advent, you're pressing that. That's the language that God gives to Moses. And, you know, I remember leaving that breakfast, going back to my illustration in the beginning. I remember leaving that breakfast with the understanding that action was going to have to be taken. I have to take action. If I'm not seeing, what are you going to do about it? What, what are you, what, is, what am I going to do to change this? If I don't like the results, then I need to take action. And evangelism was the spearhead in that contending. Evangelism is the spearhead. And I'll tell you why. is because hell will resist your impact. It will, hell will resist results. In an outreach, a Saturday outreach, in a neighborhood outreach, in a healing service, whatever. He wants to resist that. But why? To get you to stop evangelizing. That terrorizes the enemy's territory. That, that wherever the sole of our foot shall tread, it shall be ours. The moment you step into his territory, where he has rulership, where he has dominion, where he has authority, where people are bound, where people are uh, uh, broken, where, where lives are captive by sin, and you go and disrupt that, that's, that, that threatens the enemy's strongholds. And evangelism is the spearhead in contending. If you want to see some breakthroughs in life, go outreach. Go tell someone about Jesus. Whether you pray with them or not, you're disrupting the enemy's territory. You're disrupting and upsetting Every person you're talking to, their world is being turned upside down with the gospel. It's so powerful to do that. And so this became, for me, that revelation. I was on Saturday Outreach, but you know what? I'm, I'm even more committed. We had a weekly neighborhood outreaches. There was personal weekly outreach and evangelism off the calendar, without the corporate group, without pastor being on site. It was personal. We are going to do this. We started up evangelism nights, and that was the battle. That was the engaging. It was one of those things. It was this attitude. It was this posture. If you're going to stop us here, then we're going to go over here. If you're going to block, if you're going to block us, whatever we have happening here, then we're just going to go outreach. If no one's coming to the, to the neighborhood outreach, we don't have any visitors, well, then we're going door to door. 
If no one's going to come into the concert, then we're going street preaching. If no one's going to come to, and it was, if we're, if we're not seeing a flow of visitors in church, then we're going outreaching. It was just, it was our natural response, but that was the battle. And this is something I've taught men in each of the churches that I've pastored, because that was a lesson for me. That was something they could observe that we did, that we do, and it got on the disciples. I remember in Rochester, and I even went back to these pictures. I've shared this story before many times, but even going back to the pictures from that night, June 30th, 2018. We had a concert in Rochester. I think it was the second year we were doing concerts. I had done some lessons on concert ministry first year. It was like constant flow of visitors, you know. God was just blessing it. People were getting saved. People were locking in. God was blessing it. But the second year, man, it was like, it was like just things weren't happening with each concert. So one night, one of our disciples, he's leading. We had a guest rap group from Toronto, uh, Canada come down. And uh, it's, you know, it's probably 50 church people and no visitors and they're up there they're rapping and making some good noise but my disciple came to me and he said pastor we have no visitors you know we're halfway through the night can we just go downtown and street preach I said your call man you're in charge he goes okay so then after the uh, you know whatever event in the night he went up and said all right y'all we're gonna change gears here you got nothing happening well, let's go to where the sinners are. Let's go street preach. And we went downtown uh, uh, there through the streets. We took a portable PA system. We brought the rap group with us. They start just rapping. We have testimonies rolling. That night we had 14 saved. And the next concert we had visitors. Because that was the response. If you're going to stop, if you're going to hinder... That's not, we're not going to take this laying down. We're, we're, we're fighting. We're stepping up. And so the, the lesson with contending, gentlemen, is that it does take work. But you know what? What doesn't, what good things in life don't take work? There's not a single thing that is good in your life that doesn't take work. You want a good marriage? It takes work. You want good and well-behaved children? It's going to take work. When you don't feel like discipline, when you don't feel like taking the time, it's going to take work. You want good finances? It takes work. You, whatever it is in life, you want to be fruitful? It's going to take work. You want good ministry? It takes work. So to, it takes work, number one. Number two, it takes time takes time. You have to be intentional. You have to be deliberate with your time. You have to, you have to manage your time. We, we talk about that time management. But I heard someone recently in, in uh, uh, some, something I was reading say, we don't need time management. We need distraction management. <laughs> Because that's really what it is. We get distracted with things that are time wasters. And so here it, it takes action. 
takes involvement, takes energy. Verse 24 says, contend with him. How? In battle. In battle. And then battle was hand-to-hand, face-to-face. You are engaged with the enemy. That is a picture for us. So let's close. Let's think about the declared victory. So while contending will take action, remember, God has already declared victory. Deuteronomy 2 and verse 24, the second time. Rise up, get out. Uh, right there. Here it is. <laughs> Rise up, set out on your journey, and go over the valley of Arnon. Behold, I have given into your hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with them in battle. Okay, so here, rise up. This is, this is the call, you could say. This is the commission. Go and do, and as you do, right, behold, I have given into your hand. If you will do the hard part, if you will go and engage, if you will take action, if you will engage with the enemy, I have given into your hand and you will begin to take possession, but it happens through contending. So, number one, this instruction came from God. He's the one telling them. He's the one guiding and directing It's God's idea, so he will help them. It's God's idea. Evangelism, soul winning, the Great Commission. Whose idea was it? It wasn't Pastor Wayman Mitchell's idea. God spoke to him and he saw, and God gave him a vision. But in looking scripturally, he says, it's in there. It's in there. If you go back to that uh, uh, convention where he preached pastor greg taught and spoke on that you go back and listen to it he says oh it's already been spoken we know what we need to do so if god said go do this if jesus said and lo i will be with you until the end of the age it's his idea he's gonna help me he died for them he's gonna help me he loves them more than me more than i do I should say, right? He's going to help me. So that's the point is, if if the instruction came from God, he's going to help you. Secondly is, he says, I have given into your hand. If you take action, the, the results, it's not a fair fight. They've already been determined. It's already been settled. God already has power and authority, but he says, right in there, you will begin to take possession that's the third thing is victory will happen in steps but ultimately victory will happen it may be in steps it may not be as fast as you want it may not be overnight it might not be you know a microwave hot pocket prayer moment but victory is happening victories will be happening you will see breakthroughs. And with each breakthrough, you establish more dominion. Things, certain things become easier, but then you step into new territories that you're not familiar with. But you have confidence. 
from the past, from past victories, God is going to help me. So it's all there, but it is up to you. That question Pastor Greg asked, answered with a question all those years ago, what are you going to do about it? That's the question you need to ask yourself. You can contend with the enemy, work it through, wrestle it through. But I'm telling you right now, it will not happen outside of this. It will not happen outside of what we're talking about this morning. You must take action. Okay, let's open it up. Some questions. Yeah, Edgar. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And we talked a little bit about this uh, in the Sunday school last week at the very end there is what you are doing by staying steadfast is you are building up that wall of dominion. You are establishing some disciplines in your life by staying faithful to those you are protecting the breakthroughs that God is beginning to give you. You're able to protect it. Why? So what are the things? Because of sin. Sin will cause you to lose dominion. Compromise will cause you to lose dominion. And, 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 and I see this all the time is, is guys compromise in certain uh, vows of exampleship. Right, they compromise well because you know, and and but you're killing the spirit of what you're doing. They compromise in services. They compromise with whatever that is, and that's going to hurt you. Uh, so those two things there, uh, rebellion, will cause you to lose dominion. Right when your when your pastor is speaking into your life, and how you take any kind of correction and it might be constructive it might be corrective it might be from experience that they're you know he's trying to deposit into you wisdom but some guys because they're dealing with rejection they they take that wrong and uh you know begin to say things ah pastor well yeah he doesn't understand what you know whatever that is and it's this rebellious and hell will use that Hell will use that against you. And so um, very important to guard against anything that looks like rebellion because hell will use it. So those would be some three areas there that we can lose uh, dominion. But by staying faithful, by living right, you're not earning it. You're protecting it, right? Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. You're establishing things on the inside. Those are convictions. Yep. Settled decisions. Yeah, Phil? I have a couple questions that are related. Um, first one, so how do you deal with your heart so that like, aggressiveness like this is genuine? You know, basically, like, what if a lack of success is not bothering me? Like it should. Yeah, yeah. And then my second question is once you're doing those things, how do you make it? Because I think some people like 
to maybe like me, like to turn it into a formula, you know, sure. or a checkbox. Oh, I'm not seeing this. Okay, uh, what do I do? I'm gonna outreach, like turning it into like a yep. a routine. Yep. And not it's not genuine anymore. So. Sure. Yeah. So the first question there, you talked about how do you get it to be genuine or it doesn't bother you. Yeah. Okay. So if you're hearing, because there'd be times I'd I'd sit right, I'd hear Pastor Greg talk about the Word of God, for example. I said, man, I love reading the Word of God. It's so, man, it just strengthens. I'd be like, dude, I'm, there must be something wrong with me because I fall asleep, right? I, I don't get it. But then he'd say, so if you don't have it, pray for it. God, give me a hunger and appetite. And he'd say, that's a prayer God would want to answer. When it comes to evangelism and soul winning, he said, if you don't have a heart for people, Pray, ask God, give me a heart for, right? And so, yeah, I mean, because there was a couple years as I began to get involved and uh, began to take, uh, you know, be, be more uh, intentional about my calling discipleship. But there was two years there where it was just really, really more about me than anyone else. Honest, right? It was, it was this self-interest and, yeah, I don't have to go there. Yeah, I don't want to go there, you know, uh, but... As I began to pray for those things and become more involved in those things, something changed inside. God did a miracle in my heart. So, so you also be the, pray, but then the more you're involved in it, the more you absolutely those yes, things. because because if you're you know, and and that's exactly it. That is where your treasure is. Yeah. There your heart will be also. So. I'm praying and asking God, but then I'm getting more involved. And it's like I'm putting the treasure of my time. I'm putting the treasure of my abilities or my talents into people, into outreach, into ministry, and more and more my heart is falling in love with it, falling in love with the things of God. So yeah, that would be uh, that there. Then not looking at it as a formula is, is, is that it becomes part of revelation and experience. Because I remember calling Pastor Greg in New York and saying, I don't understand, we are doing, fill in the blank, contending for fruitfulness, contending for converts. And he said, yeah, I don't know, you're going to have to get a hold of God on that. And so I didn't change what we were doing. You know, I didn't go on a, uh, 
you know, a fasting strike. God, I will not fast until you move. You know, it was just, God, I believe. I believe that you are in control. I believe that you are the God that saved in Santa Fe, that saved in Prescott. I have reference points. But you know what? Now I have reference points from New York. And I can go back through all the different things I've been involved with, and there are people. And even in other churches, people that I personally won when on an outreach or in a revival where I ministered to them in some way that are saved today. I say, God, you did it in one service. So, you can do that here. So in Rochester, you're saying that you didn't change anything after you talked to him. But you kind of reaffirmed, like... But just reaffirmed, faith, yes. This is what I believe. Absolutely. And God honored that. Or it, he must have. Yeah. There's people saved today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... You know, and, I, and that's, why I don't, that's why I tell people I didn't change anything I was doing. I didn't pray five more minutes every morning. I didn't fast, you know, three more hours into my fast. I, I just kept doing and said, God, I know you are who you say you are. Yep. Uh, hand over here. Uh, Tony. Uh, you know, and yeah, I, I, think, I think that again, not to formalize it, but these are things that I remember contending for certain things that, yeah, pastor said, you know, had, had given me some direction. You can, God, I'm believing for you, so I'm going to take dominion and, and I'm doing this believing you're going to help me in another area, right? And so it's possible, yeah, because because miracles are transferable. God, if I can go out and witness and to a complete stranger and they pray, then I know you can help me in whatever other area, right, where I need, where I need a breakthrough because miracles are transferable, something Pastor Greg has often said. Yep. Yep. But then, yeah, again, his... his Moving with God, you got to know who God is. The foundation of faith is the Word of God. It's got to be built there, which is why in, in Phil's question, it wasn't a matter of I got to do more, I got to give more, I got to starve more. No, it was I know who you are, so you're going to help me. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, in managing distractions, you know, uh, I, I remember Pastor Greg saying, write down what you do, uh, you know, in a day for one week. Don't think about it as far as changing anything, just what am I doing? And he said, you'll begin to see areas where maybe you're, you're using up more time on something than than you thought, than you realized, you know. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I'm, uh, well, I work today and uh, I'm just super tired. And what you don't realize is maybe you used up from the time you got out of work, you know, to the time you went to bed, uh, tons of hours on something that was not productive, right? It, it didn't contribute to anything. So that's one way you can you can get a look at what you're doing, right? Uh, and, and you can begin to see where all your time is going. People who don't have time, it's not that they don't. 
And it's not that they're so busy. It's that they're just not using it to the maximum that they could. So that would be the first thing. You got to get a read on it. The second thing is uh, you have to then really allot time for things. You know, uh, there's so much that I can take care of in a day, but I allot time. I can only give myself to this until. I can only commit myself to this until, get as much progress as possible, and then switch gears. I have to also get some work done here, some work done here, some work done here, right? So it's uh, uh, very much you are intentional and you begin to weed out the distractions, right? You begin to weed out uh, you know, those things that are consuming your time. Um, and, and it comes back to priority. And then lists. I am very much a list person. And, and I prioritize my lists. Um, right now, I have a list for uh, upcoming... October's crazy for me, right? I'm, I'm overseeing the haunted house. We're time crunching for the building. Um, I have, I think it was... 12 extra sermons to write for trips that I'm going out of town on uh, for Romania and then for San Luis, Mexico. Um, and that's on top of the regular teaching and ministering that I have to do, right? Um, so there, there's counseling. I've had people reach out. Hey, I really need, to, yeah, let's work that in. So in all of that is I go by priority. I keep a list, you know, and, and in that I've cut down some things knowing what's coming first. So what's coming first, then I can prioritize it, right? And then I write anytime I can. If I get inspired on a serious man, I can knock out a serious man 45 minutes to an hour. That's a, that's a quick thing, right? Because it's in you, you're teaching it. So anytime I can, I have serious men's ready, right? Because sometimes it's like, hey, can you do serious men tomorrow? I'm not I'm not feeling sweet. Absolutely, I'm, I'm ready. So always you're kind of planning in advance also. So, but that comes back to uh, lists and priority. I definitely prioritize deadlines and schedules. Yep. So those are things that have worked for me, Devin. Yep. Uh, yeah, John? I, I know that you probably said it, but I mean, how do you get from point A to point B? As far as changing changing who you are. Sure, yeah. But, but again, that, that comes back to um, uh, number one, I have, I have great examples, right? I watched Pastor Wayman. I watched Pastor Greg. I could see Pastor Wayman come in from out of the country and I could find him right at his spot on that platform the next morning if he just got in from wherever in the world. Yeah. I knew he was going to be there. I'd say, man, I want that. I want that faithfulness. I want that steadfastness. I watch my pastor, Pastor Greg, work diligently, right? P prioritize. These are things I learned from hearing what he said, but I can then reference his life, right? That's an example, number one. But then number two is the prayer. I have prayed. Give me the steadfastness and faithfulness of Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Let that be a deposit, a portion into my life. I want a portion of Pastor Greg's wisdom and discernment, his time management, you know, all of those different things. I'm praying because I see it. God, if you can give it to them, 
you can give it to me, right? That's what Solomon, give me wisdom. And that's what it is. I can hear about it and it's like, wow, that sounds great, but that'll never be me. That's knowledge. But wisdom is that knowledge applied. And then, so you're, you're seeing an example, you're praying for it, but then thirdly, you're applying it. You have to begin to apply it at some point. And yeah, definitely I have grown. It's not like I started praying those and two days later, here I am, you know. <laughs> no, is that has been a process. Yep, exactly. Yep, uh, Tony. Uh, well, it can, it can disrupt dominion. That's what it disrupts. You begin to lose dominion in your compromises, right? And so that, that's, that's what that was about, yeah. So if, you know, you got guys is, uh, they compromise, like I said, the vows of exampleship, or they compromise in their convictions in some way. Don't think that that's not going to grow and develop in your life. Oh, it's just fill in the blank. No, it's never just. It will grow and it will manifest. So compromise will cause you in a long-term strategy to lose dominion. Yep. Yep. Edgar. On the topic of the vows of exampleship, I know they were instituted for purity and also in a sense for active blessing management, but also are they, do they go for Well, yeah. Yeah, the, vow, the vows of exampleship primary, primary purpose is exactly in the title, which I think was a uh, fantastic way that Pastor Greg, you know, put that in. We used to call them standards for ministry, but in the vows of exampleship, you are an example. And number one, when people see you involved, when people see you leading things, is your life an example or an excuse? Well, so-and-so does, and he's involved. Well, so-and-so's doing, and he's involved. Right now, you are an excuse versus someone's example. Man, so and so, they are so anointed. I want to, I want to have what they have in ministry. I want to have what they have in evangelism. I want to have what they have in their band. What? But there's because there's something contributing to that anointing, to that authority, to those that fruitfulness. Right. So that's the exampleship number one. Number two is spirit. Yes, as it keeps and maintains purity, but then what is the outflow of that? It's not just a benefit to you, it's now you become a vessel. Who you are is what you minister. It flows out of you. So if you are a dirty vessel, what is flowing out of you is not going to be clean and righteous and something God can move through. It's, it's stained, right? It's defiled, and it can't, it, it's going to block results. It's going to hinder results, okay? So that's the spirit of it. So you, you, someone's example, you minister what you are. Those two right there are what really help protect and bless all ministry involvement. And so it's very, very vital. So you get guys, they compromise on that. They don't have those in place, Right? And, and yet it's no wonder why they're not getting results. Can they draw a crowd? Sure. But are they seeing converts? No. Right? Those are two very separate things. Yeah. They're, they're leaning on talent and ability, but there's no anointing. Right? That's what you get missing. Yep. 
So it helps the spirit of what you're doing. Good. A uh, few more questions first, yeah. If there's any more questions. Yeah, Phil. Uh, my question is pivoting off of this, but um, like at home, myself as a husband, father, person, I feel is not perfectly congruent with who I try to be as a Christian disciple. Is that is that something where I said, you know what, this area is not acceptable, and maybe contending in those areas in my, my home? My own character, and I don't even know why. Like maybe we get more comfortable at home. Sure, sure. It just kind of bothers me. Yeah. And like maybe that's an area where I can contend and say, you know what, I need to be a better husband, father, helper, whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, definitely, and 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 that is the that is the beauty of discipleship. I was just talking with my father-in-law yesterday. We were visiting with them yesterday morning, and. Uh, uh, just discussing just different cultural things that were able to be broken from off of my life and uh, in different areas in my personal life, exactly how you're speaking in marriage and parent parenting as a, as a provider, as a, uh, you know, a financial overseer, all these different yeah. factors is um, I said, but majority of that came through discipleship. And that's the beauty of discipleship is as you begin to, pursue the things of God it begins to heal other areas and that is exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said I will put in you springs of living water something springs within and it begins to flow into these other relationships these other arenas these other and it was coming through preaching and it was coming through what I'm hearing my pastor and how he speaks about all of those things right and, and it began to take root. So, number one, you're hearing it. Now you're beginning to identify it. That speaks to the change happening in your life, in your heart. That's good. That's okay. But then what you do with that. So, yes, prayer, absolutely. God, help me to be the man you've called me to be. And then get specific. What are the areas in marriage you need help with? What are the areas in parenting you need help with, etc.? Yeah, so absolutely. God, change my attitude. Help me. Give what, what would help? Okay, I'm going to just open it up so it's not all focused here. What would be a scripture about attitude that you can pray? What are some things you can lay hold of? Yeah. Guard your heart. Okay, okay, that God would help you to guard your heart. Yeah, yeah. Man thinks in his heart, so he can help him to think differently. Okay, there you go. Help me to think differently. As a man thinks, so he is. You're going to begin to do. What else could we pray for? Yeah, yeah, Micah. Okay, yeah, so you can apply that. God, help me to think on things that are pure, that are holy, that are righteous, that come from above. Yeah, uh, Sean? What's that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you could definitely pray that. Okay, uh, yes, okay, Psalms 51. Creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit, right? Because attitude can be connected with spirit. Yeah, deal with that, yeah. Okay, so yeah, if, 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 what is, if there's someone contributing to that, right? Every time I get around, you know, uh, Carnal Carl over here, I just, you know, just, I, I start acting like a jerk, right? So those are things you're identifying, the fruits of the Spirit, patience, love, uh, you know, is, is all of that, be, let it be at work in me, right? So 
that's a, a way you can, you can pray in those areas. And then finally, get some resources. You know, talk to your pastor. What are some good books on marriage? What are some good books on parenting? What are some good books on maybe even attitude? Ways to change my mind, my thinking, etc. So, yeah, absolutely. Good question. Good question. All right, gentlemen. Very good. Appreciate your time and appreciate the questions this morning.